This is America on the Road, winner of the International Automotive Media Conference Gold Medal Award for Radio, and now in its 25th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. It turns out that the microchip shortage that has limited vehicle production isn't just a drag for car buyers, it's a drag for the whole economy as well, and we'll explore that coming up. Meanwhile, the prices car buyers are paying for new cars have hit a record new high, and we'll tell you what that could mean for you, also coming up. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Got a quote today at MercuryInsurance.com. Well, hello, I'm Jack D. Red, and with me is guest host Gino Effler. Gino has been on the show before. He is the Director of Corporate Communications at J.D. Power. Very knowledgeable guy, great guy. He's going to give us some special insights. Wow. From, yeah, well, that's you. You're a great guy. and uh, What a compliment. And you're a knowledgeable guy. <laughs> so, so don't trip on that. You know, continue to suck up the compliments, no. Gino. Uh, yes, I, I will. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, and you do have special insights. In fact, I, we can't even shoehorn all the insights that you have into an hour-long show, but we'll try and hit the highlights, certainly, in this show. Well, great. Yeah. Great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to help out as best I can. And uh, as always, it's, all, it, it's, it's fun to be on this show. You know, it's, uh, uh, we always talk about some interesting things that are in the, the news uh, of the automotive world. And, uh, you know, this is the most unique time I think any of us have ever seen in the auto industry. What's going on with, with the industry and the, the, the effects, yeah. you know, the things that are affecting it, it it's just unprecedented so it's it's fascinating to be in this right now it's kind of crazy times really it's uh, just way out there is what's going on here this week we have a special guest for you and i'm not talking about gino effler he's the guest host but our special guest is chris major he is the chief engineer on the all-new ford maverick small pickup truck so we had a chance to uh, take a deep dive with chris on a recent event in tennessee so we'll bring that interview to you. But uh, we're very pleased to have Gino with us. And in the road test segment, I will be telling you about the Audi A3 that I drove at the North American Car of the Year test drive in Michigan. So, Oh, I do want to hear about that. I, I bet you, you know, do. because did, the did you, Overall, cool. did you like it? I did like it, but we don't, we don't want to tip it off too much because we want people to come back for the road test okay. segment. So that's, that's coming up a little later in the show. Before that, we'll have our automotive news. So stick around for that. Gino will have some insightful comments on that when we come back. So with Gino Effler, this is Jack D. Red with you, and thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with guest host Gino Effler. Jack D. Red back with you. Chris, unfortunately, Chris Teague, our uh, typical co-host, is ill this week, so Gino has graciously decided to step in, and we appreciate that. Well, Jack, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to get, uh, to get on with the news here. It'll be pretty cool. Well, let's see how cool the news is. Here's a, a bit of news, and we've talked a bit about how the uh, American auto business is suffering because of the microchip shortage and what a, a problem that has been for people who are buying cars. Well, it turns out it's a bigger problem than that. It's <laughs> a big problem for the entire economy. Uh, it's been a major drag on the economy. In fact, it has dragged the whole economy down 2.4 percentage points 
in terms of economic growth. I mean, that's big time stuff. I mean, obviously, as you well know, Gino, this is a giant industry and it affects uh, just a lot of people. It, it does, Jack. And, uh, you know, what J.D. Power sees in, in our data for this month of October is that sales this October will be 17.5% lower than October 2020. Uh, and, and it's just, you know, a phenomenal drop. Now, most times in in the past when we've seen these kind of drops, the sales drops, it's because the, the economy is in flux, being driven by the fact that people maybe don't have a job or are they're really tight with their money that's not what's happening now it, it, people are still anxious to buy cars they want to buy cars but there just aren't enough cars for these people to buy in america and 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 around the world it's it's uh it's not just limited to the united states so as a result with this decrease of sales and, and lower inventory there's obviously it's the old uh, supply and demand. The supply is low and the demand is still high. And as a result, prices are going up. The, the, the most shocking statistic I can share with you, Jack, is that the average new vehicle retail transaction price in October is, a, is reaching a record $43,999. So basically $44,000. Yeah, mind-boggling. The highest it's ever been ever been. And uh, this is, I think, the fifth consecutive month of a record average transaction price. Uh, at the same time, incentives are down. They're at a record low. The average incentive you can get on a car is just over $1,600. You know, so it, it's it's shocking, you know, to, when you see all these numbers and the same kind of things are happening on the used vehicle side. Right. Because used vehicle prices are, are way up too. Right. And so, yeah, it's it's a great time to sell it until you have to buy something else. Right. Yeah, it's yeah, a great exactly. time to sell something. <laughs> you know what we've seen and it, it's largely because of this microchip shortage is that in six of the last nine months, U.S. motor vehicle production has fallen. You usually see that when there's a recession. You usually see that when there's a depression. You don't see that when there's incredible amounts of demand. But this supply chain thing, driven by the microchip thing, and also driven by labor shortages that you know perhaps are caused by paying people to stay home instead of paying them to go to work, or having them go to work, uh, has resulted in low production. And not only has it br uh, brought up vehicle prices, but overall inflation is a big problem, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And, and gas prices as well. Uh, you know, it, it's I won't say it's a perfect storm, but it's a, a pretty nasty storm right now for people. And, and, you know, one of the other side effects that we see at J.D. Power is with with these average transaction prices going up and used car prices going up. We know that that there's this unsatisfied desire to uh, for new car purchases, right, that the people are out there, they want to buy them, but they're not there to buy people want, they're willing to sell their used car, but then when they say, gee, it's hard to get a used car or even get a new car, maybe I'm just going to keep this car, and start putting some extra money in it. So what we're seeing actually is dealership service business creeping up. I, I Anecdotally, I can tell you, I have a, a friend who's a mechanic, a technician for Audi, and he said the last four to five months have been the best months 
he's ever had in his career. Wow, amazing. Well, and it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Because people have to maintain right. their cars and they might as well put that money that they couldn't spend on the new car into the used car. And I wonder if this is going to have some unintended consequences going forward. If people are going to start grasping, hey, maybe I don't need a new car every three years. Maybe I can get by with a new car every four or five years and you know, bank some of that money. And, uh, you know, that could really change the whole dynamics of the industry, couldn't it? It could. I, I think there will be a, a certain percentage of people that, that think like that. Yeah, I, I don't think the entire uh, buying public will, will act like that. But yeah, there's there's going to be people who, who do take that approach to it. And they're going to wait a little bit longer. And they'll spend that money just maintaining the vehicle they have. Uh, it, I, I don't think that we're we're going to see this uh, mass exodus of passenger cars and people jumping into public transportation. It's not it's not driving that kind of a thing, but it is making people take stock and and actually I think maybe do a little bit more future planning about their vehicle purchase or lease or keeping what they have. I the, the thing that also you know I think about Jack is you know now that that you put you have this mindset in. in going forth about, okay, I'm going to think a little bit farther down the line. What about ordering a vehicle through a dealership, whatever it is you want, because you're not going to walk onto a dealership right now and find the model you, you know, the perfect car for you, that unicorn car, you're not going to find it, but you can order it. And I wonder if uh, we're going to see more consumers in the United States do that, go to their local dealership and, and order a car and, and wait you know, three, six, eight months for it to be delivered. I'll tell you, I think what most people are wanting, though, Gino, and our family always used to order cars and we used to wait. We were the unicorns out there uh, when we did that. I think a lot of people would love to have things just get back to normal. You know, that normal we knew about two and a half years ago, I think that's what people are thirsting for. And uh, if we could just get back there, I think that would be uh, a really nifty thing for a lot of people. Here's something that I think is interesting. And this, this comes from uh, one of your studies, and it's about auto insurance. And one of the unexpected benefits of these higher costs is the fact that replacement values are good. And so people are a little more satisfied with insurance. Tell us a bit about that, would you? Yeah, that's the, uh, we just came out with the J.D. Power 2021 U.S. auto claim satisfaction. Kind of interesting in that, it, you know, there it does have record high satisfaction this year for, uh, you know, the fourth consecutive year of improvement in auto claim satisfaction. First of all, if, if your car is totaled in a collision, well, the payoff is, uh, in most cases, going to be higher than, than uh, you expect, because that's where used vehicle prices are these days, right? They're they're higher than what we expect, so you're going to get a little bit more on that end. That's a key thing. And but then conversely, you know, these ADAS systems, what we call the uh, you know the uh, advanced driver assistance systems uh, in vehicles, they're pretty expensive, and we're seeing that claims on vehicles with those systems. You know, they're running uh, significantly higher uh, than vehicles that don't have those systems. And that it does present another problem. Another unintended consequence, right, of uh, putting yes. safety uh, electronics like blind spot monitoring and rear cross traffic alert, those kinds of things. They sound terrific. They really are terrific. They work wonderfully well. But uh, when your car <laughs> car has a problem or is uh, hurt in an accident and those systems need to be replaced, well, they're expensive, aren't they? They're very expensive. And uh, 
sometimes people don't necessarily want all those systems on a car, but they're getting them anyway. But but I think, Jack, that the other point that people need to be really conscious of, because not this isn't getting out to consumers very much. If you are in a collision and your car has one of those, you know, new technologies that has to be replaced, quite often they need to be calibrated. You know, that replacement technology needs to be calibrated and it, it isn't calibrated at the collision repair shop. They don't have those tools. They'll, they'll, they'll give you a, a message or a warning to say, hey, take this to your dealer, to your authorized dealer, and they'll calibrate the technology. Absolutely true. When we come back, we're going to be road testing the Audi A3. It's all new for 2022. I had a chance to drive it at the North American Car of the Year test drive in Michigan, and I'll tell you all about it when we come back. So with Gino Effler, this is Jack Red. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with guest host Gino Effler. This is Jack Red back with you. Uh, Co-host Chris Teague is off this week, but he will join us again next week. So look forward to that. He's going to bring, bring his six-foot-tall frame uh, back to America on the road to do some road testing. So we look forward to that uh, when he comes back. But we're so happy to have Gino Effler with us. Well, thanks, Jack. Yeah. I, well, I'm glad you're you're with us and uh, you bring such insight to this. And uh, not only your own insight, which is, of course, very deep and uh, comes from a, a lot of experience in the industry. But, of course, J.D. Power represents the voice of the consumer, doesn't it? Yes, we do. That's uh, that's the old motto around here at J.D. Power. I have a, a, an all-new vehicle to talk about a bit about in the road test segment. It is the 2022 Audi A3. And as I mentioned uh, seconds ago, it is all new for uh, this model year. And it, I think, is essentially bringing more of the same because this has been one of our favorite vehicles. It's a perennial favorite of vehicle testers worldwide anyway, the Audi A3. And so when you have a winning combination of good looks, impressive all-around driving manners, and, and just general convenience, you probably want to stick with that. And that's what Audi has done uh, with this particular vehicle. Uh, they just brought more of what people like about the car. One of the things that they've done that's somewhat of a change, though, uh, I would say a, a major change, is they have incorporated mild hybrid technology, 48-volt mm. mild hybrid technology. So that's something where I think the um, consumer can get essentially free power and more fuel economy just by incorporating that. What's your overall take on uh, mild hybrids these days, Gino? I think hybrids or mild hybrids are, are great ways for people to transition into a, an, uh, a battery-powered EV. You know, where it looks like that's kind of where our future is, right, with the electric vehicle. And, and I think the, the, the more that people are exposed to hybrid technology, uh, I think it's a plus. And so... You know, kudos to, to Audi in, in, in this regard. The, uh, uh, you know, here's a company that has always had the reputation of having arguably the best interiors in the car industry. You know, this particular model the, the, the is falls into the small premium car category and, you know, goes up against uh, vehicles like the Mercedes-Benz CLA, the Mercedes-Benz A-Class, um, you know, very competent. I haven't driven one yet, but I I always love to drive Audis. I've owned a couple in the past, and and uh, when I saw that this thing had a Quattro version, 
obviously that made my ears perk up. What was that like, Jack, driving the Quattro? Uh, it was really good. Uh, yeah, this car is a great handling car. It is a very nice, handy size. Uh, it's not super sporty. In fact, the S3 is the sport version uh, based on the same platform. So it is made even sportier with more more horsepower. That's, that's the big thing. Uh, it goes up pretty significantly in horsepower when you go to the S3. But there's plenty of driving fun to be had in the A3. And I think, like I say, it's a really good size vehicle. Um, great for urban environments, suburban environments. Front drive is standard. It has quattro all-wheel drive, as you mentioned. I think quattro all-wheel drive in this context is really for security when you're driving in bad weather. Mm-hmm. It's not going to get you through deep, deep snow, but if you have to in, in, engage in driving in snow or ice or, or rain, things that don't happen in Southern California all that much, uh, That's right. we could find that. And then the mild hybrid system just kind of smooths things out. It throws some electric power when you want it. So uh, a lot to like about that. That's awesome. I, I You know, when I, when I hear Audi Quattro, I always think back to the... Uh, many, many decades ago, back in the 80s, when they were dominant in motorsports and they were beautiful race cars. And, you know, for your listeners, if they want to if they want to go uh, on, do an online search for Audi Quattro race cars, they'll see some of the most spectacular vehicles ever. And then even in generations since then, where they've raced at Le Mans and been so successful, you know, it's a great brand that uh, they're they're a little bit down on some of the JD Power studies, like uh, Appeal, which is where we ask people, you know, what they like about their cars, and uh, the other big study, the the Tech Experience Index study. Their owners are just a bit underwhelmed with some of the technology or understanding the technology in those vehicles, but I, I think they are on the the move up upward. Uh, they're going in definitely in the right direction. I agree, and I think that's why they have an all-new A3 in the marketplace for 2022. Let's run a little bit through the uh, through the model lineup. Uh, the starting price is about $35,000 for the A3 Premium. Then there's the Premium Plus, and actually I should probably talk a little bit about what the A3 Premium offers, uh, because it's got some pretty nice stuff. It's got <laughs> alloy wheels, eight-way power front seats, uh, with lumbar support, it has a panoramic sunroof, and uh, among the safety technologies is lane departure warning, so that's all good. Then you can bump it up to the Premium Plus at about $38,000, and it, it includes a bunch of additional electronic stuff. One of my favorites, of course, is adaptive cruise control. It also has active lane assist. So in some ways, in, in very limited circumstances, uh, this vehicle can drive itself. How do you feel about that, Gino? A, a car driving itself for you? Mm, yeah, well, I'm, uh, I, I'm not there yet. <laughs> yeah, I, you're I, not I, alone. I, no, I think we as an industry are still a long, long way until we are at that stage five uh, fully automated vehicle. I, I think that there are things that can help great driver assist technologies that can help, but but they aren't going to take the, re- the place of you, the driver. I think the driving public needs to become more educated and more comfortable with using the technology that are on cars today before we can really expect them to, to make this giant leap to close to or at uh, fully automated vehicles. It's, it's a long way. You know, it's a big jump 
just because you can swim or jump into the pool from, from the edge of the pool doesn't mean that you're ready the next time to go straight up to the, you know, the platform 30 feet in the air and jump off. It's a, there's a lot that has to go on in between to, to make people comfortable with it. So that's, that's kind of where my head is, Jack. Yeah. Well, I think it's a, very wise of you to, to point that out. I think that's absolutely true. And I think a lot of people are excited about autonomous vehicles. But uh, when you sit in a vehicle for the first time and take your hands off the wheel and let the, the car steer around a corner, I mean, that's a giant leap of faith. Uh, not something you necessarily do in the A3, but uh, yeah, that certainly is coming. And I think it's coming very, very soon. Let's talk a bit about powertrain in the A3. It has a 201 horsepower turbocharged four-cylinder. And um, again, I, I should mention the 48-volt mild hybrid electric motor system. It's integral to the uh, transmission, the seven-speed automatic transmission. And basically, it allows the Audi engineers to throw torque at uh, various things, like uh, when you're going between gears, for example, or when you're just taking off. So that's, that's pretty cool. It has four drive modes. So the vehicle has great driving manners. Um, not super fast, but zero to 60 comes in about 6.6 .6 seconds in the front front wheel drive trim. So uh, that's quite good and uh, nice fuel economy. So overall, uh, this is a vehicle and, and you mentioned certainly the interior. Uh, the Audi interiors are just gorgeous. And now it has the Audi 12 inch virtual cockpit uh, that makes things that much better. So uh, I think all around they're they're doing some great things. You know, we've talked a little bit on the show, and uh, certainly J.D. Power has, has uh, pointed this out, that there's tech out there now that people aren't using. What's your take on how technical and how much tech people should have or, or really want in their vehicle? <laughs> Great question. I, I think we've seen in the past uh, from, this, uh, from the J.D. Power Tech Experience Index study that less than half of the people of car owners knew exactly what technology was on their car. Uh, we, we would ask, does your car have this, 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 and this? And sometimes they'd get it right. And sometimes they'd say, oh yeah, my car has that when it didn't. Or they'd say, no, my car doesn't have that, but it did. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the tricky thing with, okay, well, do you know what technology your car has to begin with so if even if you don't know that it has it well then it's going to be kind of hard to use because you don't think you even have it um but you know what we've seen in the latest study jack is that that owners uh, um they think things like uh these vehicles that have this interior gesture uh controls uh you know that that kind of newest technology that re, you know where the technology responds to your hand motion, like maybe the sun, you wave your hand and the sunroof opens up. Um, owners have a, a good deal of problems with those kinds of of technology right now. Um, very low satisfaction score, and and but in contrast to that, one area where they have high satisfaction score is with one pedal driving technology which is offered in some electric vehicles. So it, it's interesting, you know, so, some new technologies, they resonate with owners and others, they don't resonate at all. 
Right, and we'll see some of those fall by the wayside, I'm sure, because <laughs> there's no point as a car manufacturer putting stuff in, in the car uh, if the consumer doesn't want it and uh, has to doesn't, right. doesn't want to pay for it more, more particularly. So that's important. Well, when we come back, uh, and we did like the A3, by the way. I like it a lot, so just summing that up. And when we come back, we will be speaking with Chris Mazur. He is the chief engineer on the all-new Ford Maverick. We had a chance to speak with him recently when we were driving the Maverick at an event in Tennessee. So we'll bring that interview to you when we come back. Stay with us with Gino Effler. This is Jack Nerad with you. And thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road Check. We're right back with you. We are in Nashville, Tennessee, right off Printer's Alley. We can see Printer's Alley out the window here. With me is Chris Major. He is the chief engineer on an exciting new product, and a product that I got a chance to drive today. I was excited to drive it. Uh, it is the Ford Maverick truck. Uh, number one, thanks for being with us. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much, Jack. Thank you for having me. So uh, I can't think of anybody better to describe what this truck is, what this vehicle is. So why don't you tell our listeners what it is? Because you know, they probably heard Ford Maverick before, but they haven't heard it in this context. Yeah, sure. Uh, Ford Maverick is uh, our answer to customers' demand for a built Ford Tough uh, truck that uh, is fuel efficient, that's versatile, and that's affordable. So really excited as well to uh, finally get uh, reporters like yourself into the product, and I think... Uh, and we're really excited to get in our customers' hands as well. Point. What drove this actual product, though? I mean, you know, what spurred the fact that, oh, we're going to have a smaller truck than we've had in quite some time? Um, it's really a strategy around playing to our strengths. So what does Ford do great? We do trucks great, right? You take that and you couple it with, the, you know, our um, desire to put something in at that showroom entry model, right, for our customers. Um, let's face it, there aren't too many great products right now out there that are $20,000. Right, or $23,000 or $26,000. Um, and so that was our motivation behind it. Uh, leverage our strength in truck. We know how to bring trucks to market. We know our truck customer really well. And give that at that price point that um, you know, it, um, brings new customers into the market, especially those customers that were in our sed sedans not too long ago. Let's talk about key product points, you know, what, what the product is, what it brings yeah. to the market that hasn't been out there before. Because you, you found a little bit of white space here. Yeah, the segment itself we, we view as white space for sure. So, um, you know, this, you don't too often have this opportunity to create a segment, right? Um, and we think that's what the Maverick is doing in this compact truck segment. Or perhaps we're bringing a segment back like you described earlier. Um, but the product itself, the, the Maverick is built off of a flexible architecture. We call it our C2 uh, platform. It's shared with uh, the Bronco Sport and the Escape, for example. And with the flexible architecture, you can do things like um, change the wheelbase from those products, change the track widths. Um, but what you can do and what really uh, helps us is you can fine tune what we call the foundational elements of that architecture um, specific to the product. And uh, this product, being that it's a truck, is all about built for tough. Um, and so that's, that's really um, kind of what we are excited about, right, being able to do that. You know, I, I've had a chance to drive uh, potentially a competitive product, the Hyundai Santa Cruz, dri driven it quite a bit. Um, there are s uh, certain obvious similarities in, in some ways and very great differences. And I think one of the differences is this is a truck truck. This seems, you know, much more truck and, and oriented toward that. Was that intentional? It sounds like it was, but I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. The Maverick is a truck. 
We'll, we'll say it once, we'll say it twice, the Maverick is a truck. It's a built for a tough truck. Um, that description of those flexible architectures and the ability to um, kind of re-fatigue test those, those um, foundational elements that we're reusing and then leveraging 100 years of truck testing experience resulted in over 19 million miles of cum testing. 19 million miles of torture testing went into this truck to make it built Ford Tough. Um, built Ford Tough and, and being a truck like the Maverick, um, what that means is there's no um, restrictions on the distribution of the weight with respect to payload. All 1,500 pound payload in the Maverick can be put in the bed of the truck. That's what we mean when we talk about things like Built Ford Tough. Mm -hmm. This is inherently a different construction than the tr traditional conventional truck. Correct. And that all trucks that the Ford Motor Company, I think, is built over time. Correct. Right? Um, so describe the challenges and what you did to this platform, which is a unibody platform, to make it into a truck platform. Yeah, correct. So, yep, this is a unibody platform, so it's not a body on frame um, like our Rangers or, or our F-Series trucks. Um, the advantages of a unibody construction are, you know, there's several fold. Um, first and foremost is what we call ingress and egress. There's a very comfortable... Uh, you know, what we call getting in and out. Getting in and out, right. Ingress and egress, right. getting in and out. It's comfortable. Right. You're not jumping up, you're not jumping down. Um, the corresponding or parallel to that is what we call um, the reach-in height, right? So the ability to get into the bed of the truck when you're standing out, it's accessible for you. You don't have to be six foot you know, plus um, to be comfortable in that space. The ride and handling, that's a real strength of a unibody construction, right? You, it feels, because of that flexible architecture, more like a small SUV. It has agility, it has nimbleness. Um, and I think that's something that our truck customers, especially again, those that are coming from sedans, those that are coming from small SUVs will really appreciate. And lastly, with the unibody construction, specifically this flexible architecture, is just the, the overall just size advantage, right? The garage ability, the parkability, the maneuverability in big parking lots, um, the ability to get it around urban environments. We think that's a huge plus for this customer. And that's what our customer is telling us they wanted, something specific for those use cases. I want to be in a urban uh, service garage and I want to be able to park this thing and they'll be able to park the Maverick no right. problem yeah and put it in their own garage which is a nice put it in too. their own garage exactly yeah. Yeah. parkability garage ability mm -hmm. let's talk a bit about powertrain because that's an interesting story too you have uh, some really interesting powertrains in this vehicle so this is the first standard hybrid truck in the market um, it runs on a 2.5 liter engine uh, off the Atkinson cycle uh, paired with the uh, CVT transmission uh, the combined horsepower is 191. Uh, the peak torque is 155. Towing is at 2,000 pounds. The payload, like I um, well, the payload is 1,500 pounds. Again, with no restrictions as far as the distribution. So very capable 1,500-pound payload. But perhaps the most interesting element of that powertrain is the fuel economy, as you would as you would uh, think. Um, we're targeting 40 miles per gallon city, better than pretty much any sedan you can find out there right now. Check. Yeah, and yeah. that's your entry level, right? That's I mean, our that, entry level. Yeah, that is not the up and extra, uh, you know. Yep, and hybrid, then right. we have uh, our very capable two-liter EcoBoost. It's got all the bells and whistles, a direct injection, turbocharged, intercooled. Uh, very balanced powertrain. Um, it's mated with a eight-speed transmission. It produces 250 peak horsepower, 277 foot-pounds of torque. Um, it's offered in both front-wheel drive and all-wheel drive, and uh, we also offer up to 4,000 pounds of uh, towing capability in that variant, um, the all-wheel drive variant. That's the equivalent of a, 
I don't know, a 23-foot boat or a 23-foot camper that's, that's even. That's stout yeah. towing. That is definitely stout towing. Let's talk a bit about the, the bed. You know, this, uh, the thing that's the separator about this, this vehicle in a lot of ways. Because in some ways, it, it's almost SUV-like within the cabin. Yep. But then you have this very useful truck bed. And it, you've made it even more useful. We talk a bit about that. We put a that. lot of effort into that. So first, the cabin. The interior cabin volume uh, is equivalent, um, basically, to a Ford Fusion, but with more headroom. Right? And we did that intentionally. We wanted to comfortably carry five passengers, right? Again, because our customers told us that silhouette wasn't right for them, but they still have five in the family. Um, what that left us, because we wanted to manage the overall length of the vehicle, maintain that garage ability and that parkability, um, was a four and a half foot bed. And there was a tremendous amount of engineering effort um, and a design thinking approach to uh, turn that four and a half foot bed into something that could do two things. One, meet the needs of our customer, and two, really enable their lifestyle. And our solution to that is what we're calling the flex bed system. Um, and it, we answered those two questions threefold. Uh, one, by making sure we offered the type of truck co bed content that our customers know and things like our Rangers and our F-150s, those are things like spray and bed liners, uh, cargo management rail systems, bed lights. Uh, we have a 400 watt uh, inverter uh, that's available as well. We have cubbies that are available that have false load um, trays that you can pull out to carry your uh, drawbars and your tie downs. Uh, the second element of the flex bed to answer that the, the need as a customer was to making sure that we had a full accessory catalog like we do in our Rangers and our F-150s. Again, this is unibody construction. We wanted to make sure that we engineered in a way that still enabled the type of Yakima bike racks that our customers love or the Thule tents for the overlanding. Um, we actually even will be offering um, a, on our build-in price, uh, a Ford bed cap for the first time. Um, designed by our studio, um, so they look very harmonious uh, for, for the truck. Um, but the most exciting element of the flex bed by far is uh, what we call uh, the DIY element. So, Jack, what we saw with this customer, you know, as we did our research, um, was this uh, propensity to build their own solutions for in the bed of their truck. They are makers. Our customer is a DIYer. They are HGTVers. They are IKEA hack uh, hackers. Um, and what we saw them... Well, then they don't have all the money in the world either, right? So they, are by necessity, are doing something. Or they'd stuff. prefer to put the money they do have towards, um, exactly. towards the bike or towards the vehicle. So, I mean, a great example that I'm sure you've seen and your, your audience has seen is, you know, uh, sometimes elaborate wood construction for a, to carry a bike in the bed of the truck. A lot of times nicely done, but at the end of the day, cumbersome, and, you know, you got to find a place for it in your garage or, or, or just takes up a, a bunch of space in the, in the bed of the truck. We wanted to design in elements uh, into the bed, what we call design affordances, to better enable some of these solutions. Um, and that's what we did. We designed in enablements for things like uh, bike racks, for things like false load floors, for things like false load floors with drawers. Uh, for things like cargo management rail systems, you can buy ours if you like it. We love ours, but uh, you know we can design in with uh, captive fasteners and reinforcements in the sheet metal um, the ability for you to make your own. We actually saw Jack customers from an electrical standpoint doing things that we certainly uh, were not very comfortable with um, <laughs> to access 12 volt right. uh, electricity to to install things like compressors and to install. Uh, bed rail lighting. They did things like tapping into or splicing into the tail lamp, the brake lamp uh, wiring. We don't want our customers to have to do that or 
drilling, literally drilling through the firewall uh, of the vehicle to access the power distribution box. That the customer shouldn't have to do that. So on the Maverick, I'm happy to say that on the D pillars in the back of the vehicle, you can pull off a cap and you have access to on both sides, a uh, 12 volt plug that's uh, fused to 20 amps and um, yeah, you can ha have at it. And what's really cool is when I say have at it, is we're gonna show you uh, some examples of how to do that. So when you uh, scan the DIY barcode that's in the back of the truck, it'll take you to the Ford Maverick site. And uh, you'll, we'll show you how to build a $40 bike rack from your hardware store, from Home Depot or Lowe's. Here's the hardware to buy, here's the lumber to buy, what size to cut it, here's what you should torque it down to, and you can have a bike rack. We'll show you um, how to build your own cargo management rail system, right? That's up there right now as well. Here's the bar stock to buy from your hardware store, the fasteners uh, to utilize, and the torque that we want you to have them at. Well, I think we could probably talk about this for another 20 minutes cool. or, or longer. I could. Uh, but <laughs> I, Yeah, certainly, I probably longer than that. Uh, but give our listeners the sense of what you want them to know about the Maverick. If you, you, you had a minute to tell them or about the Maverick, what would sure. you tell them? It's three things, right? Well, it starts with Built Ford Tough, but it's three things after a Built Ford Tough truck, right? There's fuel economy, there's versatility, and there's uh, affordability. So fuel economy, like I said, 40 miles per gallon we're targeting in the city. Versatility in the sense of versatility, how we, you can use the vehicle during the week, those garageability, parkability examples I gave. Versatility in the sense of how you can use it on the weekend, whether it's your home improvement project running to Lowe's and, and to get mulch and that sort of thing, whether it's your recreational project with biking, tailgating, camping. Um, and then affordability, uh, $20,000 price point, $19,995 is the starting price. Really excited to, uh, to be able to do that. That's very exciting all the way around. Yeah. And I'd love to see the Maverick come back, because I remember when the Maverick was introduced. Awesome. You do not. Uh, <laughs> Chris Major, th thanks so much for being with Thank us. You, we really Jack. do appreciate it. Thank you. And stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road for the final segment of this week's show. And, of course, as you know, this is the listener questions segment. And with us is Gino Effler to field your listener questions this time around using the knowledge he has gained from years and years and years of working at J.D. Power. And, Gino, I have a great question for you, I think. Here it is from Lynn in Beaufort, South Carolina. Okay. It seems like car prices are skyrocketing right now. Is this the new normal, or are we going to see prices level off in the next few months? It's a big question, Gino. What do you got? That, that is a great question, Jack. I, I, I think the uh, the answer is not going to make Lynn very happy. The prices of new vehicles and used vehicles that uh, they're not they're not going to be coming down anytime soon. They're going to stay where they are or keep creeping up uh, a little bit each month, uh, probably for the next six to twelve months. Uh, it's it's so dependent upon the supply chain uh, of all of these uh, computer chips that go into our vehicles. Uh, once we have more chips, it, the the production plants can make more vehicles, and then the price of those vehicles will come down. But uh, you know, I, I've looked at a lot of JD Power data in recent months, and you know, this is just an unprecedented time where the, the used car prices keep going up, uh, the new car prices keep going up. Lynn, I'd say uh, it's a great time to sell your used car, but maybe not necessarily a great time to be buying a new car. Uh, one thing that's amazing to me, Gino, and maybe you've got a comment on this, is the fact that uh, all of a sudden we have this chip shortage. 
And it didn't seem like before COVID-19 we had a chip shortage. This didn't seem to be plaguing the industry. And all of a sudden, this cropped up in the mm -hmm. wake of the pandemic. Do you have any explanation for that or any comment on, on why that all happened kind of all at once? In general terms, most of these chip manufacturing facilities are in Southeast Asia. Uh, many of those countries there that were hit very hard by COVID-19. So these plants, these manufacturing plants were shut down for long periods of time. And, and they're basically at the, the beginning of the manufacturing process. It's all these supplier companies around the world that supply chips or that supply seats or that supply tires. Those manufacturing plants uh, in Southeast Asia were hit very hard and you know, it's, it's going to take some time for them to come back and get up to the level of manufacturing those chips that are going to satisfy uh, car companies around the world. Right. And maybe we'll start manufacturing chips uh, back in America <laughs> the way we used to, and uh, that will help the supply That's chain right. as mm -hmm. well. Well, that is our show for this week. And uh, thanks to Gino Effler for being with us. Gino, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for spending some time with us. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Great, to, great time to be with you. Um, and I always have a lot of fun on this show, Jack. Well, we have fun having you and uh, we have fun having our listeners listen to us. Thanks so much for being with us right here on America on the Road. I think Chris Teague is back with us next week. So look forward to that. Also, you can listen to this show over again if you'd like on our America on the Road podcast. It's available on all the very various podcast outlets. So check that out. Please join us again next time for another edition of America on the Road. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and drivingtoday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com. And if you're looking for car information, used cars, new cars, any kind of car, go to drivingtoday.com. That's drivingtoday.com for your automotive information. It's the official website of America on the Road, drivingtoday.com.